0: Like to welcome you to uh, Bible Quest, the Philly edition, uh, Wednesday edition. I am not Jeff Smelser. Uh, Jeff is not able to join us today. Uh, and so I am still Joe Works. And joining us uh, is Stephen Rouse from Pennsylvania. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Joe. Uh, and so this will not be nearly as professional as Jeff has it. Uh, So I'll go ahead and apologize for that ahead of time, but I hope that uh, his travels go well today. And we are going to take advantage of our time with Stephen to uh, talk about an extremely important topic of overcoming pornography. This is a lesson, our our discussion today is based off of a lesson that Stephen recently uh, presented to a group of young people in Florida. And, uh, I was able to, to sit in on that, thought it was excellent material, worthy of people thinking about it at whatever age. Uh, and so this is a topic that is perhaps as large of a plague, uh, in our society, uh, as there could possibly be. Stephen, how would you begin to, uh, to describe the issue of pornography
1: today? Well, um. It's as you said, Joe. It, it's hard to overstate the the magnitude of the problem, uh, even among God's people right now. Um, and one of the things, one of the reasons that I've thought a lot about it is just because it, it used to be my struggle for a long time. And by God's grace, it, it's it's been years uh, since uh, I've been engaged in that, and I thank God for that. And I'm by no means perfect, but for those listening, uh, there's hope. I, I just want people listening today to know, um, if you are struggling with this or trying to get out of this, that there is a way out there. There are many times where it doesn't feel like there's a way out, uh, or you, you've just struggled for so long and you've tried different things, but there, there is by God's grace, a way to be free. Um, one of the things I think is helpful to think about as we approach this topic, uh, as big of a problem as it is, it's hard to talk about. Um, it's a very sensitive topic, uh, and so what we want to do is we want to address it very directly, but we want to address it in a way that is pure um, and, and not get into any kind of graphic details, which we don't have to to really get help with this because um, I think we kind of there tends to be kind of extremes when we talk about this subject. Uh, people either are very open a little too open about it, um, or we just kind of skirt around it and don't really confront uh, the topic. And helpful detail uh, to really be able to get help. Maybe this seems
0: like a, an unnecessary question, but uh, surely it will be something that's important for some of our listeners. What is the definition of pornography?
1: Well, um, I mean, we look up Webster's, but I think just the idea is it's, it's looking at nudity, um, uh, from some, someone else, uh, whether that's in a magazine or whether that's online. Um, it's looking at really sexually provocative material. Um, it doesn't even have to be, I think, full nudity for it to be considered pornography.
0: And and so I think that's one of the important things to remember because sometimes people will sort of dismiss their their involvement in it by thinking this isn't pornography uh, this isn't from a an x-rated site or this isn't a uh you know in some dark theater down in an alley where i went or i didn't purchase a magazine from uh, you know at the uh newsstand where it has like a i guess it has like a block or something in front of it and you know what those things are some clear pornographic materials but there are other things that are not nearly as well they're socially acceptable um, that become quite that that fit into this category i think of, of pornography and we have to be aware of those sometimes they're almost even the i don't know if i want to say the gateway drug but often young people and maybe even old uh sort of get into this subtly
1: yeah, I think the challenging thing is to really draw the line where Jesus draws the line. I think a helpful place to start just biblically is Matthew chapter 5. Um, the, the Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, starting in verse 27, that you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Jesus does with lust here, what he's already done with anger or with murder, you know, earlier in the sermon on the Mount, And, And it's easy to draw artificial lines. Well, as long as I don't kill the guy, I can, I can hate him. I can have bitterness going on. And he says, no, like you draw the line way back here in your heart. And the same thing with adultery, you can almost hear the Pharisees saying, well, you shouldn't commit adultery. And again, it's easy for us to do the same thing. Well, it's technically not pornography. Well, What's the purpose? Why are you looking at it? Because Jesus says, if you are looking to lust, you have already committed adultery in your heart.
0: And, and for that reason, we need to just get as far away from it uh, as, as we can. Um, there is we, we, We're not going to, to play around with, uh, with knives and guns, um, thinking, well, I'm probably not going to kill a person. Uh, you know, and, and violate that rule. same thing here. Uh, a lot of things, and I appreciate the fact that you don't want to get graphic, and I think that that's important, but a lot of the things that people have just come to accept in our society, whether it's the, the way that uh, cheerleaders dress and uh, uh, then sort of giving in, and this is very wrong thinking, but it sort of gives men license to think um, and, you know, not just that, that. That's just one example. Again, I don't want to go down too many descriptions, but um, I, I just think we have to be really careful to not just put this way off into the, the CD district. Um, it, it really is something that is affecting nearly everybody.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and you don't have to go far at all. I mean, we're surrounded by sexually provocative material. You just drive down the road. I mean, the, the billboards. The commercials, even when if you're watching something clean, uh, you, it's hard to get away. I mean, I'll, I'll be real; you got to be careful watching the Olympics, um, mm-hmm. and that's going on right now. And you just got to guard your eyes and guard your heart. And it's easier. To say, oh, well, it's a sporting event. Oh, well, it's well, if if it's something in front of you and you're looking, you start looking to lust. You just got to be honest in your with yourself and your own heart, and right. be willing to do what you got to do. Uh, you know, and sometimes even. If it's animated, you know, uh, whether it's a cartoon or if it's CG animated, I mean, again, it, it's possible to get on Facebook and be looking at things that Facebook wouldn't censor. But if it's sexually provocative, if you, again, this is, goes back to what Jesus said, if you're lusting in your heart, flee. Get as far away from it as you can. Um, and it's it's tough to to be honest about about those things.
0: And so if a person recognizes that... Okay, I am struggling with some of these things at whatever level I am where do where do I begin? Uh, how, how do I begin to to get a, a purer heart? How do I begin
1: to to get rid of these temptations? Yeah well, the first thing I would say is to follow the rest of what Jesus says right here in Matthew chapter five um, and it is to take radical For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And it, it's amazing to me, our ability to explain this away and to think, well, I don't have to take it that extreme. You know, I, I'll come up with some excuse. And what Jesus is saying here is it's not worth it. He's trying to get us to look at the consequences. And if we ended up in hell because of this sin, we wouldn't have been there for an instant before thinking, it's not worth it. I would give up anything, anything to 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 not be here and be stuck here. And of course, the opposite is also true. You know, we wouldn't have been in glory for us an instant before thinking, "Wow, I would have I would have given up more." You know, right. um, it's so completely worth. it. And that's where Jesus takes this. He says, "It would be better for you to cut off your hand or pluck out your eye." Now, Jesus. Admittedly, he's speaking figuratively here. But again, you might say, well, my right hand is really useful. I can use my right hand for a lot of good things. I can use my right eye for a lot of good things. But it's not worth it. It's better to go into life without something useful than to go into hell with your whole body. And, of course, the application here is you don't need a smartphone. You don't need an Internet connection. And in our world right now, people just that's a ghastly thought. Go without internet in my home, how could I possibly survive? Well, you won't survive eternally if you don't get rid of sin in your life.
0: Right. Yeah. And and for the other situations where somebody might feel like they do have to have access through the internet or something like that, they can go to a public library or they can go to a friend's house or Uh, things like that. One of the things I appreciated you mentioning in the lecture in Florida was that uh, by setting up passwords so you don't have access to uh, 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 these stumbling blocks for you, you don't have the access to that password. Somebody else does. And so when you are in a situation where you legitimately need it, then you can get to it uh, through the help of somebody else. But for most of us, most of what we look at on the internet, uh, even if it's not sinful, even if it's not pornographic, is probably not necessary for our lives. Um, I, can, I can get by without knowing what my friend in Nebraska had for lunch yesterday. <laughs> um, you, know, um, you know, those sorts of things we really need to, to just understand. No, I don't have to have the internet And in the few cases where I really do need access to it, I can get that in a safe way even. So let me back up just a little bit to the text there in Matthew. Uh, And maybe most of us understand this, but uh, fill us in a little bit on why you see Jesus using this graphic uh, uh, description of the eye and the hand and the foot. Why would he choose those three body parts? Why would he, you know, he, he doesn't talk about the nose or the ear or, you know, wh- why those three things do you think?
1: Yeah, well, here in Matthew, he's got the, the eye and, and the hand, in part, perhaps because these are what, what's in, involved. I and mean, he's just talked about looking to lust. Um, and then there's other sexual sins or things that can be associated uh, with, mm-hmm. with using the hand. And so it's really, I think, powerful what Jesus says here about being willing to do whatever you have to do to avoid hell. It would be better to lose, again, these very useful parts of your body than, than, to, than to go into hell.
0: And so whatever you, your, your eye, whatever you're seeing, your hand, whatever you're doing, your feet, wherever you're going... You cut you cut that off at the at the very root at the, at the source. You don't begin that travel. You don't begin to to pick up the magazine or whatever or typing on the internet. Uh, you don't begin to look. Um, I thought it was really interesting when he talks about uh, in verse twenty nine plucking out the right eye, and then he says and cast it from you. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, you know, I've never plucked out any of my eyes, but I can imagine that if I just you know reached in and just pulled out my eyeball, it becomes useless right then. Why would I need to throw it away? Why would I need to cast it from me? I think there's a, a just that that very vivid description, and we can almost imagine the 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 pain, or the suffering involved in in pulling it out. But then what might be the temptation if I had pulled it out? I might try to somehow find a way to get it reattached. Mm. I I need to just get rid of it, throw it far from me, you know, burn that bridge, not allow myself to come back to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, I think one of the reasons that Jesus prescribes this is God created uh, our our bodies in such a way that we are sexual beings. Sex is a good and beautiful thing in its right place, as God created it to be. But there has even been research done right now. I'm talking about pornography. How addictive it really becomes. That that you're getting hormone reactions in your brain and different things that are similar to what you get doing some hard like like what you would get doing hard drugs. And so, if you're dealing with someone who's addicted to a substance, what is the first thing that you do? get them as far away from the substance as you possibly can. You know, you don't say, well, I'll get rid of almost all my heroin. I'm going to keep, keep a little bit, you know, in the closet just in case. No, you, you cut it off and you throw it away. You completely eliminate your access to it. And the challenging thing about pornography is when you start to really do this, if you start to really start to cut off sources of pornography, like with, addictions, you start to get creative and start to try to figure out other ways around it or other devices, other ways you can get. And and of course, there's no way to cut off every source of pornography in the whole world. But what somebody needs to do who wants to really overcome this is to make a list of all of the access that you have and and write it down and then think about, okay, if, if those were taken away, could I still get it some other way? Okay, write that down and to then go down the list and cut off your ability to send with each one, whether that's setting passwords, whether that's giving your device to somebody else and locking, having them lock it with a password, whether that's putting some software on it that will help f- either filter what you're seeing um, or uh, that will just report to somebody of your choosing uh, what you're looking at. So even if you were to get around the filter, they see what's going on and you can set all the, there's all sorts of things, covenant eyes and other Um, software that's available to help monitor. And and again, that's the ultimate goal is not to be dependent on software and passwords and things, but like with addiction, the goal is to get some distance between you and the addiction so that you can renew your mind and get back to a place where you want what's right and are able to resist. Um,
0: Yeah. Good. Uh, I'm not sure if I imagined you using the word or if you actually used accountability, um, uh, there, um, what,
1: what do you mean by that sort of accountability? Well, accountability, I'll, I'll just say, it, I think was the most helpful thing for me in my years fighting this and accountability is really the idea of open, opening up to somebody else and giving a report on how you're doing. Um, talking through your struggle with somebody else, and I still remember how difficult it was for me the very first time I ever did that. I still remember where I was, and and thinking, oh, what's going to happen if somebody else knows about this? And oh, and of course, your mind just creates all these scenarios. and And thank God, I've been so grateful for the people who've helped me, and nobody ever treated me like I was some kind of freak or, or something. You know, now they didn't tolerate it. Either you know, and tell me, oh, that's no big deal, you know. But they helped me, and so I would say, you know, accountability is where you you, you confess your sin to somebody else, um, you know, voluntarily, um, and then you you develop a relationship with that person to where they know how you're doing, and you are opening up to them. And this is biblical wisdom. I mean, if we go back to, for, for instance, Proverbs 28. Um uh, in verse 13, Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So you've got this idea of you know concealing your transgressions. And that Satan does his best work in the dark. And of course, that's one reason this sin has been so prevalent, I think, for so long, for so many is because it is easily hidden. Uh, It's easy to deceive ourselves and we're not opening up to other people. It's hard for us to see how bad it is until we're really hooked. And so that passage combined with James chapter five, I mean, again, this is one of those passages where I think... We we just tend to think, oh well, that's that applies to somebody else. That doesn't have to apply to me. But this is the biblical wisdom. James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power, as it is working. You mean that verse
0: doesn't isn't just for Sunday morning invitations at, at church? Yeah. That's right. I, I, <laughs> that sounds- I, I, I think that, that there's times where we sort of have that mentality that if I have to make a confession, it needs to be something big because those are the kinds that we hear on uh, on Sunday morning when somebody comes forward. And I'm not trying to uh, understate the value if a person feels the need to do that on Sunday morning. But as you pointed out, that James five sixteen, I think I heard you say this at the in Florida that that is not an option there. Uh, that that's a passage that's, it's telling us what to do. So we ought not yeah. to think of it as, well, I can take it or leave it. This isn't one of the
1: buffet verses. Yeah. And again, it, it, we're coming to the great physician for healing. And if the great physician says, you got to cut your hand off, well, that, that's the antidote. If the great yeah. physician says, you need to open up and, and you need to be accountable to somebody. That's what we need to do. Right. Um, Edwin comments, and this is a great comment. Uh, He says, regarding accountability, the big mistake people make is trying to find someone who will hold me accountable instead of looking for someone to whom I will hold myself accountable. Amen to that. Um, That was a problem I had for a long time is I was looking for people who would check up on me. How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? And there's a big difference between that and getting to a place where I'm the one taking initiative if I'm the one struggling and saying, here's how I'm doing, here's how I'm doing, here's how I'm doing.
0: So, so what's the danger in uh, not following Edwin's uh, advice there? Uh, why not look for somebody who's going to hold me
1: accountable? Where, where, where would that fall through? Where, where would that not work? Well, What can often happen is the person struggling if they're not wanting to confess, if they're not wanting help really wanting to be open about what's going on, which it's hard to do that. It is shameful, but what can happen is it can become like pulling teeth for the person. You know, Hey, how's it going? Okay. What, what actually happened? Well, was there another time? You know, and just trying to pull things out and and that is not going to be effective. If you really want to get this cancer, so to speak out of your life, you, you got to be the one to submit to the, uh, And say, hey, here's here's what's going on. Here's what's going through my head. Here's what I did. Here's where it was. And and that, if you're the one taking the initiative, that's going to be far more effective uh, than than having to fish for details. And and I think coupled with
0: that is if I'm waiting for somebody to hold me accountable, then that other person doesn't know when my moment of weakness is coming. Uh, You know, it's not that... I, I don't want them to hold me accountable for after I've made the mistake. I want to be able to reach out to them when the temptation is coming, when, uh, when I'm triggered, that's uh, sort of a, a vogue word, I guess in, in this, uh, conversation or in this topic. But, you know, whenever I, I feel the, the temptation beginning to, to take hold of me whenever it's being conceived and, uh, I need to be the one that's reaching out then because the other person that is my accountability partner, they don't know what's going on in my life 24 seven. So it, it really is important that I'm the one that's taking the initiative and not waiting for somebody else to, to check up on me. It's, it's yes, too late and then.
1: Exactly. Edwin adds to that. Whenever I'm looking for someone to hold me accountable, I'm actually paving the way for my next slip and relapse by blaming them for not checking up on me enough. Exactly. Yeah. good and, point. And you know, and I, and I would say, I really think looking back over the years of my struggle, the turning point for me that really helped me turn the corner was when I committed, there's a good friend of mine who is doing well. And I committed, I said, I'm going to text you as soon as I start to be tempted. And it's just fighting a totally different battle when you start at that point, because when you start to go down the road of temptation and you're already letting the thoughts dwell, you know, letting them linger it gets more and more difficult the farther you go down the road. And, and it's the fog of war, the, the temptation that Satan, it's easier and easier to deceive ourselves. And when you start to fight the battle where Jesus drew the line, it's actually far easier in some ways. You got to be honest with yourself and say, Hey, I've got some images popping in my head. I, I gotta, I gotta reach out, you know? And I, what I like to say to people that, who are asking for help is when you do that, include two things, include what, you're being tempted to do not in graphic detail, but say I'm being tempted by the computer or I'm being tempted. There's somebody here who's not dressed right or, or whatever it is. And that's not giving an excuse. It's just acknowledging to yourself. Even here's what I'm being tempted to do. And number two, text what you're going to do about it and say, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of the house for 10 minutes. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go do some push-ups. I'm going to go, you know, read my Bible and pray. Um, always pray by the way. Um, That is what God would want us to do. And, you know, I just imagine thinking about even like somebody like Joseph, you know, when he was in his situation, Potiphar's wife again,
0: running. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Uh, So I think this really, if if people want a verse really to hang on to, and you stated this one, and uh, I had not... I, I, I wish I had earlier, but uh, I had not really picked up on how valuable this verse is for this particular topic. Your Proverbs twenty eight thirteen. So we've talked about that confession and having accountability, and then the second part of that, and forsaking. Uh, but whoever confesses and forsakes them, that is the sins. Um, you know that really that really demands that we look at it from this vantage point. I'm getting out of this situation as quickly as I see that it's, you know, beginning to to affect me. Uh, as soon as I, I recognize that this is not going to be good for me, um, thoughts are beginning to enter my head. And, you know, it it is a fact that thoughts are going to come into our head. We see a billboard, we see something, whatever it is, uh, years ago, heard the illustration. You know, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Uh, and and that's what we've got to do. When when I see the, you know, when the birds are flying over, I've got to have that awareness right then. And if if they are beginning to uh, to to plant themselves within
1: me, as soon as I see that, I've got to forsake. Yeah, that's right. And people sometimes talk about the idea of bouncing your thoughts or bouncing your eyes, you know, just training yourself to where if you see something that you know is going to be provocative or if something pops into your head, you just train yourself to just look the other way. Um, Because what the ultimate goal is, is to get your mind and your heart back to a place where you love what is good and you hate what's evil. Um, And so when that comes across your vision, you don't, oh, no, I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that. Because that person doesn't belong to me. Uh, And and that's really at at the heart of all this is taking radical measures in your thought life, taking radical measures with your access to the internet or whatever other source um, so that you can train your heart and mind to love what's good all over again.
0: Right. So uh, my mind is running in a couple of different directions here. Not not which way is the most profitable, but uh, maybe Let's, let's do the other side of this for, for just a moment. Uh, 1 Timothy 2 says to flee youthful lust, and uh, 1 Timothy 2.22, uh, flee also youthful lust, but pursue. And so whenever we're running away from something, we need to be running towards something uh, at the same time, or else we will just find uh, our our minds occupied by seven demons even worse. Um, and so the things that he talks about as pursuing, righteousness, faith, love, peace, we, we need to to pick up whatever that time was that we weren't, we weren't just wasting, we were destroying ourselves. We've got to fill that time with things that are are pleasing to God, the things that are uh, drawing us closer to him. Uh, the... Whatever things, you know, dwell on these things, the, the things that are worthy of, of thinking about in Philippians 4, uh, we, we've, we've, got to, we've got to replace the, the pornography with something else.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, and this is true just in general about the Christian life. So many times we think about it more in terms of saying no to things than saying yes to, to better things. And really, that's what you've got to do. Uh, the, the old saying, you know, the, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. And that is certainly true uh, in this department. But as you think about that, uh, pursuing good things and taking radical measures with your time, which, by the way, um, Drew chimed in a minute. He said you use the term radical. That's what this Jesus movement has always been, radical. And that's absolutely right. There was a point uh, from this book, which I recommend this book, um, Finally Free. Um, this is, I think, a really good resource out there right now um, on this particular topic. It's by a guy named Heath Lambert. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree theologically with, with, every position he would take, but this book really isn't about those type of things. I would pretty well recommend this book. Uh, one of the things he points out in here is three things have to come together in order for you to sin. You have to have access to the sin. You have to have time and then you have to have the desire to do it. And without all three of those things coming together, you cannot sin. And so what you're trying to do as you attack this sin or really any other sin for that matter is limit one or more of those categories. First, we've talked about limiting your access. Now we're talking about this idea of filling your time so that even if you had the desire, you just don't have time to do it. Um, you're filling your time with other good things. But ultimately, the goal is to get to the point where even if you were in a room full of pornography with all the time in the world, you wouldn't want it anymore. Now. Don't go trying to put yourself in those situations. again, it can again lie to myself and say, oh, well, if I never let myself face this temptation, I'll never get stronger. Jesus said, cut off your hand and pluck out your eye. Don't you know, lead us not into temptation. Um, don't, don't mess around with this. But I think it's important to realize that we're not just trying to build up a dependency on, you know, accountability software or or things like that. The goal is to get your heart back in tune with the Lord and love what's good and hate what's evil to where you can resist it. But it takes time to do that when you've been addicted to something sinful.
0: And I think one of the problems that sometimes young people face, and I'm saying young people, if you think you're young, then that's who I'm talking to, um, uh, is that, well, I know what the solution to this is. I need to get married. You know, uh, marriage will solve this problem for me. And that's not what Matthew 5 said. Um, uh, I don't even think that's what 1 Corinthians 5 is saying. I think he's speaking to people who are married there. That might be debatable. But uh, the person who is married ought to be with his wife in that situation. But, but the, the thing that will settle this will be self-control being guided by the, the, the spirit. Uh, Galatians 5, I think, is is really what we've got to come to. Because I think some young people really feel like, oh, this is just too big for me. I can't handle it. But once I have a mate, once I have a wife, then I'm going to be so uh, enraptured. I'm I'm going to be so caught up in in my relationship with her that these things won't tempt me uh, any uh, longer. And that's just not the case. You know, mm-hmm. th- that, that's not going to solve this problem because it, it's not about just finding one person. You know, the, the addiction of pornography is much greater than, than that. And so yeah. we, we need to make sure that we're not ever encouraging young people to, to wait to solve this problem when they get married. Because probably all they're going to do is end up having marriage troubles.
1: Yes. And, and it can be such a, it can be devastating for a marriage for one or both people to think, oh, well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get over this when I get married. And then you get into the marriage and it's not over. Uh, or you're thinking, oh, well, my significant other is struggling with this. But once we get married, it'll be okay. And then they, it's not better. Don't wait. Don't use that as a crutch. Now, I will say, I, I do think that there is, in God's design, there is help within the marriage relationship. And that does help, but don't count on that. Don't don't lean on that as you're out and you're just waiting until uh, you know your situation changes to actually do better. You need to repent now, right?
0: And and especially because the the marriage relationship will help because not just the sexual aspect, but the emotional uh, aspect also. But if a person that has perverted their mind in thinking about what the sexual relationship is, they're probably just going to bring more harm to their mate than what their mate is going to be able to help them emotionally.
1: Yeah. You you mentioned the emotional aspect of things. I think it's important while we're on the air today to mention this is not just a men's problem. Hmm. Uh, there, There are many times a majority of those who struggle with this are men, but it's not just a men's problem. And we need uh, men and women who are equipped to help other men and women uh, with this problem. I want to say about accountability, don't be accountable to somebody who's of the other gender. Do not be accountable to your significant other. Uh, They don't need to be the one policing your actions. They need to be able to to be free to be them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's just really important. And, and and as you talk about the emotional side of things, and coming even back to the definition of pornography, um, you know, romance novels and, and and things that really they may not have pictures, but they're forming mental images in your head. And and there is a sense in which there's times where there can be kind of emotional pornography, where you are becoming so attached to this idea of someone, um, and it may not even be explicitly sexual. But it's just as lustful in that sense. If you're just longing for this uh, more than, you know, um, the things that God would want you uh, to want.
0: Right. Yeah. Edwin points out that evidently there's a uh, popular, I guess it was a book and now it's a movie or something like that. The Fifty Shades and maybe even a sequel to it or something uh, that is extremely popular with women um, uh, and uh, unhealthy relationships. Um, uh, toward that um, the uh, the, actually on the Babylonian Bee there's a a, a satire on how perverse it is to think about Hollywood uh, with their movements toward trying to uh, uh, save uh, women from unhealthy relationships with directors and so forth which certainly they need to be saved from that but then at the same time forcefully promoting extremely unhealthy situations like what is depicted in some of these kinds of movies.
1: Yeah. It it blows my mind. I was at, I think Walmart the other day and and was just passing by the the DVD rack and you see something like that next to like the kids movies and stuff and just the normalization of violent behavior. It it is, it it blows my mind.
0: Um, Emma, Uh, makes a comment here. It breaks my heart how each woman feels like the, that they're the only one who struggles with this and is too ashamed to admit it. Thank you for saying that. Uh, I think your comment uh, there, Stephen, uh, we need women to be advocates for purity far beyond modesty or uh, chastity uh, in relationships. Uh, That's exactly right. This this is a, a problem that is facing all of our culture and the more that women stand up for, uh, equality, which I'm not opposed to in any way, uh, it, it, in the in the right, healthy manner, uh, the more that women are then going to be facing the struggles that men have faced for a long time. I'm not saying that women haven't faced them for a long time, but they're going to be even more uh, predominant in our society. Women sort of demanding to get to have the same kind of, of fun that, that men have had uh, that's, that's just destructive.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think one of Satan's best tools in all of this is isolation is making people feel like they're the only one and maybe even among their Christian friends. I'm the only one at church who struggles with this and no one would believe me if I said I struggle with this. And I just don't think that's the case uh, for men or for women. Uh, there are people who are able to help you and it's worth opening up to try to find those people and it's important for us to develop in our local congregations uh, people who are in a good position to help, who are doing well with this. And again, if you're opening up to someone, if you're going to develop an accountability relationship with someone, make sure it's someone who's doing well. Um, if the blind lead the blind, what happened? You know, they're both going to fall in a pit. Um, but that was just something I felt so isolated for so long. Um, and it was very helpful to me to start to get help with that. And that's true for men. That's true for women. Uh, we need one another in this battle.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let see how much time we have. We've got about seven more minutes. Um, how about a word to, uh, to parents? Uh, what, do you have anything uh, – I don't even remember if you specifically dealt with this in your lecture, but do you have any advice to, to parents as they are uh, thinking about, well, certainly my little boy or my little girl – isn't facing this? I mean, after all, they're only 12 or 13, or they're only you know 10. Um, th- this isn't something I need to worry about yet, is it?:
1: Yeah, I, I certainly don't have all the wisdom in this department yet, as I'm growing in my own parenting. Um, but I will say I, I wish my parents had never let me have a computer in my room when I was in middle school. That's where this whole thing started. I love my parents dearly. They wanted what was good for me, but that was terrible for me. Um, and I've talked with them about this. Um, you know if you're a parent, I think one of the best things you can do is to work very hard to generate a culture of openness in your home where you can talk about difficult things like this where you're having uh, talks about the sexual relationship, where you're having talks about temptation and the the dangers in You know, the world, it's incredible to me. I forget, you can look at the statistics. The average age that kids are exposed to this now is like 10 or 11. Um, And and it's getting earlier and earlier with the pervasive nature of smartphones. The little kids got them now. And I mean, they don't even have to have their own smartphone if the the kids where they're at have them. It's just a touch of a button. You can get into this stuff. And, uh, you, you know, I hate to say just assume your kid's already seen it, but... Um, in a lot of cases that's that's going to be the case and, and I, I let me add to that if I may I think you
0: should assume that your children have seen it but that doesn't mean that you panic and that you scream at them and you make them feel guilty over this what they need is help then um, uh, they need somebody who they feel like they can come and talk to um, you know that that's been something that I've learned as a parent, I've got to develop a relationship where my kids are not scared of me. Um, I, I may not be their best friend, but I want to be somebody that they can come to and that they can talk to, or that I've given them the door to be able to do that to somebody else who's responsible. Um, you know, what our goal is, is, is to train them and, and nurture them. And uh, that doesn't mean that we we put sharp knives in a drawer. We we don't leave them laying around on the floor. So we need to be careful with computers and phones and whatever else. Uh, but on the other hand, we, we want to make sure that we are preparing our children and talking to them about these things in a very reasonable way. And when they struggle, we of all people, parents ought to be the ones who are wanting to help them, not, not just shame them, uh, not, be embarrassed because my kid has done something or whatever else we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Most of us have sinned in this area uh, of pornography. And so we need to make sure that we are careful to not, uh, destroy our children or destroy our relationships with our children because they, they, they need to be open. They, they need to be able to be open to us.
1: Yes. Amen. You know, we got a couple of comments, uh, could come in here, Edwin. Comments like adultery. It takes two to be involved in pornography: the one looking and the one showing. Most who show do so. Um, oh, moved there. Most who show do so because of their own unhealthy sexuality, and that's certainly the case. Uh, and he also adds, "Your little girl and your little boy have already seen it." Again, um, it's pervasive. Uh, Emma adds. Um, I also. I think it's all. I think also it's really important. And more and more valuable to talk to kids about sex in its proper place, openly and early. Otherwise, they learn everything on their own from false sources far before you have the talk. Um, And yeah, ended that. um, That that was the case for me. I will also say though, I was so grateful that I felt there was a time where that came that where I did confess to my parents, and I felt I went to them. They didn't come to me about it, and I was so grateful that I felt like I could do do that. Amen. Uh,
0: Miriam adds, uh, I was just about to say that exactly. Uh, it's also important to surround them with wise spiritual people who they can go to as well, uh, that will actually help them. Um, so, uh, Emma's comments as a camp counselor and struggling teen perspective, I think most of us can remember going through, you know, to whatever degree, um, and still facing it. How can you walk through the supermarket checkout without seeing pornography? Seriously. Uh, you know, it's, it's in the, the popular magazines that aren't covered up. Uh, and so um, we, we need to recognize that it is all the way around us. It's all the way around our children. And so we need to make sure that uh, we are preparing them for that. Mark responds uh, or comments, uh, I think what I read in Finally Free, the idea of someone who can help with accountability includes someone who can't take your cart, uh, someone who, who someone who can take your car keys and phone from you, et cetera. If the account has to be to someone with power over you, right, you have to give them that power. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, going along with passwords and things like that, it's somebody that you're going to trust, somebody who is not struggling, and uh, somebody who's, who's going to uh, uh, provide for you. We've just got a couple more minutes. I want to, uh, i just got one more minute. I'm just going to run through these. And if somebody wants a copy of this, um, uh, I'll be happy to, to provide it. Um, this is a list of questions that you should ask yourself daily. Um, and it was put together uh, by Alan Yader and Greg Baconia um, several years ago. And uh, Alan gave me a copy of it. I just found it really helpful to think about and to try and encourage others Someone's going to run through these questions. There's a lot of verses that are beside them that we won't go through, but just sort of to imagine: Where do I begin thinking differently? How do I begin thinking pure instead of porn? Uh, and so, these questions to ask yourself on a daily basis: How have you glorified God today? How much time have you spent today meditating on and reading Scripture? Number three. How much time have you spent today in prayer for your enemies, for your friends, for brethren, for family? Question four, how much time have you spent today allowing your mind to dwell on lustful, covetous attitudes and fantasy? Number five, how have you handled your anger today? Maybe thinking about triggers, especially there. Number six, how have you practiced rigorous honesty in all your dealings with yourself and others today? rigorous honesty. Uh, That's a pretty powerful adjective there, Uh, or is that an adverb? Whatever it is. Uh, Number seven, have you been physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually present today with those you care about the most? Number eight, who have you encouraged today? Number nine, how have you practiced good stewardship with your body? And then number 10, almost surprising, uh, what did you do to have fun today? Um, I, I just found those to be really helpful. I'd be happy to to provide them. Maybe I can even try to type them out a little bit uh, and, and give them to somebody if they, they would like those. Reach out to me, uh, LILpreacherJoe at AOL.com, or you can connect on, on Facebook if you'd like. Thank you very much, Stephen. I really appreciate your frankness, your, your willingness to, to talk about this, acknowledge past difficulties, and uh, help those who are facing it as present
1: difficulties to, to see that there's hope. Yeah, Thank and you. if anybody wants, I've, I've got some more written material, or if you would like to talk more, please feel free to contact me, stephen.rouse at gmail.com. Okay.
0: Thank you all. God bless you. Look forward to uh, our, our study again next week, Lord willing, same time. Thanks.